What's up, Pels fans? Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Preston Ellis. Follow me at Preston Ellis, and we've got another great one for you today. In a moment, we're bringing on our old buddy, Matthew Huff. He is the site editor for Fansided's dedicated site to the Denver Nuggets. You can find his site at nuglove.com. That's two Gs, and we will be talking Drew Holiday. But first... I need to ask for your help. You guys are already doing so much just by being here. If you can do just a little bit more, subscribe to our podcast, share it, rate it, retweet it, everything. We're having so much fun making it, and it's only going to get better. This past weekend, we had the distinct privilege of interviewing New Orleans Pelican Instant Grits Jordan Crawford, as well as his press representative Mia Fields as Simply Human. It was a great, really exciting interview on my part. Such a thrill. It's on blogtalkradio.com slash pelican debrief. Go check that out now. In the past few weeks, we've had Lakers, Kings, Bulls, Rockets, and Saints experts on the show and coming up in the next few weeks we're growing so much as a podcast that these people are actually giving us the time of day it's such an honor mason ginsburg of bourbon street shots and true hoop keith smith of real gm ian levy the editor and leader for the nba section of fansided and he recently made an espn appearance might i add congratulations ian and also followed by jeff duncan of the times picayune see you guys we are really rolling and it's all thanks to you keep subscribing keep sharing keep talking about us it's only going to continue getting bigger and better with your help now help us keep it going by listening in to our good buddy matthew you guys it's time to phone a friend. Now, welcome to the show, Matthew Huff. Now, for those of you who don't know Matthew, you must be new around here because this is his third appearance in the past month. We just can't get rid of him. And he is here for one reason and one reason only. Before we dive into anything, you guys can follow him at Huff underscore Mellow 7. That's H-U-F-F underscore Mellow 7. You can follow his site at nuglove.com, that's two Gs, and follow them on Twitter at nug underscore love. Matt, what is up, you old battle axe? Oh, not much. Uh, thanks for having me on. How, how have you been? I'm so good, man. I, I always have such a great time talking to you. Thank you so much again uh, for coming back onto the podcast. Uh, let's, let's just explain quickly to everyone why we've got you back here. We got into a Twitter debate a few nights ago, and I thought, you know what? My fingers are tired. I'm going to give myself one of those wrist uh, problems if I don't just call you up and put you on the podcast, and we don't have any time <laughs> to waste. As you know, I'm going to see Fast and Furious Part 8 tonight, and uh, according to the trailers, Dominic Toretto is straight up driving submarines through glaciers, so we have no time to spare. Before we get to the main topic, uh, just give me a brief overview of what happened this season. The Nuggets were two and a half games ahead of the Trailblazers a a few weeks ago. Now the Blazers have since passed them and uh, secured that eight seed. What went right for the Nuggets this season and what went wrong? Well, what went wrong is real simple. It was a combination of youth, inexperience, and just terrible defense. I mean, we were, if I remember right, we had a defensive rating on the year of 112.7. That's just terrible. And then you look at our offensive rating, which was just off the charts at 113.2. And then we were dead last in defensive efficiency. And you then you couple that with the youth we have on this roster. It was it, it makes sense that a team like Portland, who has kind of been there, done that with guys like Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum, was able to surpass us. With that in mind, though, 
this team still did a lot better than a lot of people projected them to. I mean, because we brought took the, the Blazers had to wait until the very last week of the season to finally knock us off in, out of the playoff picture. And it wasn't even really then. It was because of, a you know, a guy who just set the triple-double record named Russell Westbrook, who they needed to get help from in order to knock us out of the playoffs. So that's what went wrong. In terms of what went right, I already went in, in, in detail a little bit about the offensive capabilities with their offensive rating. And then you, we um, uncovered some diamonds in the rough and Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, and Jamal Murray, who I think are just going to be a, a dynamic trio of stars in the future if we play our cards right. And w- if we can just get some, you know, other young players to couple with, with those guys and get and Malone can get his rotations right, then I think the future is very bright still. Yeah, and you guys have a lot of flexibility going forward. First of all, uh, I was looking up on team rankings just to verify everything you just said. You're right on the money. Uh, the Denver Nuggets were third offensively with 112 points a game, and they were 27th defensively, giving up over 111 points a game. So you were right on the money with that. Now, with your roster and... I think you've got a couple. You've got Mason Plumley, who's a restricted free agent. So odds are you're going to have to give him somewhere around ten million to keep him, and you're definitely going to want to keep him since you gave up a first and Nurkic to get him. And I believe uh, Gallo might have some kind of option. I'll have to look that up. But as it stands, you guys are set at seventy-five million. I think you've got thirty-five million to work with. So you've got a lot of flexibility. You've got a lot of players locked into contracts for the next few years, like Gary Harris, Malik Beasley, Jamal Murray, Jokic, Hernan Gomez. Your core is not going anywhere. So with the fourteenth overall draft pick, uh, which is where you guys sit right now, what are some of your goals in free agency? And if it's okay, it's okay if you want to get to our main topic of conversation. <laughs> Some of my main goals in free agency, and I, I know I've been on record saying this multiple times, but I'm going to say it again. I really want us to get our hands on Paul Millsap because we really need a four that can complement Jokic down in the post, and I think Millsap would fit that bill perfectly. And the thing with Millsap is the analogy I use, because people always say, well, he's over the age of 30. He's too old. Well, you know who else people said was, was too old and when we brought him in was the Denver Broncos and bringing in DeMarcus Ware, and he really assisted Von Miller in his growth as a player, and look how that turned out. So I don't want to really hear the whole age debate there because of that. And then my other goal, you know, if Gallinari does opt out of his contract, I would not mind since Gordon Hayward, I think, is a little too unrealistic at this point. I think we can all agree he's probably not going to go anywhere. I wouldn't give my hands on Justin Jackson in the draft. You know, I think he has a lot of potential. If he can just bulk up a little bit, I think he could actually surprise some people with his play in the NBA. And then the main point, I'm just going to jump in right here. Before I say anything, I want to preface this by giving credit to one of my other writers, Daniel Shelton, for bringing up this possibility. But Drew Holiday, I think, would be a welcome addition for us if we can get Jameer Nelson off our books. I think Drew Holiday would actually benefit us in a lot of ways, especially on the defensive end. And that is what we brought him on here to discuss. He is going to tell us the positives of Drew Holiday. Now, according to Larry Kuhn, uh, the CBA expert for ESPN, in order for the Pelicans to lock him up to a five-year max, we would have to give him with a seven and a half percent raises every year five years 
and $176 million. Now, in order for a, a free agent destination like the Denver Nuggets to lock him down, they would still have to pay him four years, $130 million. Matthew, how does that sound to you? It sounds expensive, but with the way our roster is constructed right now and our defensive inefficiency, it might it might be what we need to do because I got some notes jawed down here. I mean, and he's still on the season this year, despite his struggles, he's still maintained an effective field goal percentage, percentage this year, excuse me, of 50.9%. He had a steal percentage of 2.2%. He averaged 2.2 steals per game with a defensive rating off the bench of 93.6 compared to when he was in the starting lineup, he had a defensive rating of 103.5. And that's another point I want to get to. If we sign Drew Holiday, I'm not necessarily expecting us to start him in the starting rotation because I expect us to shift Jamal Murray over to that starting spot and to just bring Drew Holiday as a defensive spark off the bench is what I want us to see. You sound absolutely insane, Matthew. You want to pay somebody over $30 million? I think it's uh, 30, $32.5 million a year to be your sixth man? Listen, we, we already have the third best ranked offense in the NBA this year. What we need help on is the defensive front. He doesn't need to do average 20 points per game for us. He, all he's going to be brought in is to just provide a defensive punch to help us, you know, keep some of these teams under 100 points and just going to town on us. And I mean, that you say you're saying this as if that's exactly what we're going to have to give them. You know, is at the end of the day, these guys are still human, and there can still be negotiations to get that contract offered down a little bit. That works out for both sides involved. All right. Well, you did touch on something that I was going to address: the fact that Drew Holiday has been noticeably better off the bench. Now, just to put a little fear into you, he's been relatively healthy the past two years. Last year, he played 65 games as a sub. I think he only started about 20 of them, but he was very effective as a six-man. This year, he played 67 games. He missed the first eight of the season with a situation with Lauren Holiday, which we talked about before we started the podcast. But just to put a little fear into you, uh, and I I don't have uh, access to all of these records, but He's suffered a broken leg, a broken orbital bone, back injuries that kept him from playing more than uh, 37 games his first two seasons with the Pelicans. In his four years with the Pelicans, he has started 34 games, 37 games, 23 games, and 61 games this year. And this was his worst year of them all. He's never averaged more than 33 minutes with the Pelicans. His best average was as a six man, as you said. He scored 17 points and six assists on 33% shooting. Uh, but obviously, you're talking about all of his defensive credibilities. Let's let's talk this season, though. He's shooting 45% uh, from the field uh, with good seven assists, but three turnovers. He's been so bad as a ball handler in the past three months that we've had to move him away from point guard responsibilities over to shooting guard. Basically, Alvin Gentry is just taking the ball out of his hands. His free throw shooting has dropped 15% inexplicably. Nobody can understand that part. He's, uh, I think he's a career about 83 or 84% shooter, and he shot 70% on the year. And since adding Boogie in the past three uh, months, he's shooting 30% from three, which was one of his stronger suits. He was averaging, I think, about 39 before we added Boogie. 
And against the Blazers, a team just mailing it in just yesterday, uh, we're recording this on a Thursday night, he shot 4 of 11. Damian Lillard's not even in the game, CJ McCollum's not even playing, and he can't shoot better than, you know, 35% against the Blazers' B team. How did... How how can you justify and also with um, with thinking you can negotiate with Drew Holiday? Obviously, that's something the Pelicans are hoping for. Uh, in an in an ideal world, we'd be able to give him five years, a hundred million dollars. Obviously, that's never going to happen because Los Angeles, Brooklyn, Chicago, New York, everybody's all already trying to find cap space to pay this guy. So somebody is going to have to pay him. But Matthew. Just tell me again, is there is there any universe in which you would prefer Jamal Murray perhaps coming off the bench and having Gary Harris as your primary ball handle, handler or maybe Gary Harris being that sixth man? Because at $32 million, you just have to have this guy on the floor, right? Not necessarily. Let me ask you something. Have we not seen in the in recent years certain guys who have got started really struggling on their current team and then they go somewhere else, and suddenly it's like as if their play has been resurrected. Have we not seen that in if, NBA history? If you're talking about Eric Gordon, we're ending this podcast right now. <laughs> I am not, actually. <laughs> I actually have an example from my own team this year, Yusuf Nurkic. And yeah. What, look what happened. He was playing terribly for us, then he got a change of scenery, and then suddenly he was putting up double-doubles left and right for the Portland Trailblazers. How do you know that won't be the same case with Drew Holiday if he leaves New Orleans for Denver? Second of all, I'm not now before I say anything, I I want to make it clear that I'm not trying to cast any aspersions on the talent level of DeMarcus Cousins and how skilled he is. However, don't you think it's worth wondering the the struggles after the All-Star break with Drew Holiday might have had something to do with his addition because his, um I saw a stat, crazy stat here recently, and let me just pull it up here really quick. He <clears throat> he had an assist percentage before the All Star break of thirty seven point one percent. After the All Star break, it de- decreased down to thirty three percent, and that was right after and the All Star break, right after like the All Star game, as you may remember, it was when basically Demarcus Cousins got traded. So, you, do you think that might have something to do with his struggles, or do you think it's just purely on Drew? You know. I don't you you expect great players to figure it out but the most confounding part of all of it was as a spot up shooter he was averaging 39% from 3 before we added boogie and that of course is is better than his career average which is somewhere around 35 and a half percent but he was shooting so very well and so you would think one of DeMarcus Cousins uh strong suits is as a passer out of the post and finding those guys in the perimeter and for some reason, still, his his shooting dropped, and he was trying to navigate his way through traffic the first couple of games, probably the first eight games, and obviously there was less room there for him to operate. So if that's the case, if Boogie is doing that, I don't think that's a Boogie issue so much as he needs to be with a, a run-and-gun type offense, you know, somebody like a like an Anthony Davis running the center or somebody like Jokic, who's a, a bit more athletic, mm-hmm. somebody not living down in the post primarily, but what what doesn't make sense is with or without DeMarcus Cousins, the usage rate for a player like Cousins and Anthony Davis is is such that Drew Holiday really isn't being asked to do so much. But for some reason, the pressure still got to him. He had so much trouble 
uh, with dribble penetration, which is usually one of his strong suits. And he had even more trouble getting the ball to a big man in the post like Boogie. And that's something he's going to be asked to do with a, with a post player like Nikola Jokic. He's going to be asked to get him the ball in his spots. And that's something that he hasn't been able to do with somebody like Anthony Davis, who... Um, likes to stare at the basket. He doesn't like to put his back to the basket. It wasn't so much of an issue, but if you bring him to Denver, he's he's going to have to play like Jokic and, and Cousins have a lot of similarities in that respect, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, with Cousins' recent history with the Kings and the holiday suddenly decreased performance, I was just asking if you think that might be worth asking the question is what I was asking. No, you're absolutely right. And I'm definitely reaching as best as I can to try to discourage <laughs> from pursuing Drew Holiday. I'm I'm hoping that uh the more the more I discuss with you, the more you'll just you'll just back away from the table altogether. But uh obviously he well, is me... a great defender. Bleacher Report did us absolutely no favors by calling him the best point guard defender in the NBA. <laughs> that report just came out about three weeks ago. Not an optimal time. I wonder if his agent uh put in a couple of Benjamins for them to come out with that report. But um, yeah, you guys will have that option. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just want to make another point. Say in a universe where we do land Drew Holiday, I just want to put this image in your head. Can you imagine Coach Malone toying with a backcourt lineup that features the likes of Gary Harris and Drew Holiday? Can you imagine the defensive pressure they would put on opposing backcourts? I mean, that right there would just increase our defense by tenfold just with just that addition and using those two guys in a certain lineup. I'll do you one better. Um, I I like the idea of Harris coming off the bench in that scenario and Jamal Murray and Drew Holiday offering some kind of James Harden and Patrick Beverly type scenario where James Harden or Jamal Murray, uh, in your case, has the freedom to just manipulate the office offense, find his spots, use his shooting and draw contact driving into the paint while not having to worry about uh, guarding some of the better point guards in the Western conference, like Chris Paul and Damian Lillard, because Drew Holiday has so much success doing that. It really will allow Jamal Murray to like enhance all of his potential as an offensive superstar, which uh, I haven't gotten uh, a lot of chances to watch him play, but just like knowing his shooting and knowing what research I did on him from college last year as we were, you know, most Pelicans fans wanted Jamal Murray over Buddy Heald, I think I've told you. Just knowing yeah. his strong suits coming into the draft, having somebody take the pressure off of him defensively and just let him focus all of his efforts offensively, who knows what this guy could could turn into. Whereas Gary Harris, we know, is a very good, solid player, but would you say he has, yeah. like, all-star level potential? Who, Gary Harris? yeah. Absolutely, because he's on verge of becoming one of the better two-way players in the league. And look at how many two-way players, you know, started off, you know, very great defensively, and then they were still kind of unpolished offensively, but they refined their game over time. Now they're all-stars, like it's the Paul Georges, the Kawhi Leonard's, and the Clay Thompson's of the world. When I look at Gary Harris, I see that same type of potential. Okay, let me let me ask you this one. As far as upside goes... If if I had to take one away from you, who would you want to hold on to, Jamal Murray or Gary Harris? Oh, man. <laughs> That's quite the predicament you put me in there. I'm conflicted because Gary Harris happens to be my favorite player on the team, but I also know Jamal Murray has, like, Steph Curry potential, so... <sighs> 
let me ask you this before I answer. Am I getting anything back in return or I have to give them one of them away for free? I'll let you have Roy Hibbert in return. (laughs) (laughs) Even though we already have Roy Hibbert. All right. This is the Pelican Debrief podcast. We're spending too much time talking about the Nuggets. Just to finish up, Gary Harris already shooting uh, 42% from three before the all-star break really exploded in 25 games after 53% from the field, 42% from three, uh, very minimalistic in his turnovers, only 1.3. His assists went up to three and a half. So like you said, he really did explode in the second half of the yeah. season. But with that being said, uh, I want to bring up, you know, you can't have everybody, unfortunately, even with that 35 yeah. million before we even talk about the $35 million in space that you have and the, the decision to re-sign Mason Plumley, does Gallo stay, or do you think Gallo exercises that option and explores free agency? I think he exercises that option now. I think he's going to want to see what options are available out there, especially with teams such as the Clippers and Celtics who might need a stretch three that really make them help them make that next step. I think he's going to really consider it and it's going to be bittersweet because he loves Denver but I think he's just at that point in his career where he's going to want to kind of be wind and dined by the other teams and at least you know be see what he can get for his services out there gotcha and in that scenario do you start Hernan Gomez at power forward or do you move Chandler down and you play sort of a small ball lineup and and try to put I don't know a, a Drew Holiday, uh, Jamal Murray, Gary Harris lineup in with those two guys. I think we go with more of a small ball lineup. We shift Wilson Chandler actually over to the power forward, and we stop. We start Hernan Gomez at the small forward spot. Is what I think we do. Gotcha. You Provided guys sure that we don't land a draft. another small forward. Let's say that again. You guys sure did have a dynamite draft. We've gotten a, a small glimpse of. Uh, my favorite guy on the Denver Nuggets uh, side in Malik Beasley. And he had a, yep. a good game, I think, two nights ago, put in 16 points in, in a small amount of time. So you guys will get a better look at him. And that brings me to my next point. Uh, how big are you on summer leagues, Orlando and Las Vegas? Do you do you get any look at this at this action? I know Orlando is closed to the general public. Do you ever uh, do you research or study up on what happens in Las Vegas? I study up on what happens with our rookies in particular, but I don't really put too much weight in it because at the end, like, you know, like we all know, this is all rookies. And at the end of the day, this isn't really an indication of who's going to be winning the NBA championship in that particular year. But I do make sure I follow my guys just to see what kind of potential they're demonstrating and what may need to be worked on and that sort of thing. Yeah, because you do have a lot of guys, like we just mentioned, your three first-round picks from last year, Beasley, Hernan Gomez, and Jamal Murray. Uh, Is there any chance we see some of those guys down there in Vegas? I think so, especially Malik Beasley with how little time he got this year, which really irks me still. But I think they're going to allow him the opportunity to kind of go and refine his game and give him the opportunity to showcase his skills and make a case for him getting a lot more minutes this year than he did in his rookie year. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about the Pelicans. We've talked enough about the Denver Nuggets. (laughs) Now, late breaking news, Drew Holiday has been signed by the Denver Nuggets to a four-year, $130 million deal. Unfortunately, the Pelicans lose out on their big man that they gave two first-round picks for four years ago to the Philadelphia 76ers. 
And now we're left with, I don't know, about $15 million in cap room should uh, Dante Cunningham exercise his $3 million option. And uh, we need a point guard. And what is out there for us, Matthew? Do you, do you have your eye on anybody that would fit our system? Your system, honestly, from a star standpoint, I'd say maybe Chris Paul bring Chris Paul back because you guys, you got two big men who can intrigue someone like him where they can really do some damage with Chris Paul feeding them the ball from the point and setting it up for easy jump shots. Let me, let me stop you before you talk any more about Chris Paul. Before we talk about Chris Paul, <laughs> what do you think would have to happen to the Los Angeles Clippers in the playoffs this year? They start in the opening round against the Jazz. What terrible, awful, like uh, heart-wrenching playoff loss, what takes place uh, that leads to Chris Paul leaving Los Angeles? They either get swept in the first round or lose in five to Utah and it's just clear that they've missed their window of opportunity for a championship. That's pretty good. I'm hoping that they get to like game seven against Utah with, uh, I don't know, the game on the line and uh, Chris Paul inbounds it to Blake Griffin. He calls for the ball. Blake Griffin refuses, throws up some horrible like 17 footer and Chris Paul gets in his face and they have like a shoving match or something. That's that's my ideal (laughs) scenario. How, How probable does that sound to you? uh about 50 50 i'd say yeah yeah that's pretty fair right now we don't have a lot of flexibility so something we're uh i'll, I'll plug us for a second pelican debrief.com uh, our editor rick stone is launching a uh, a debrief discussion a round table sort of thing where he's asking some off-season questions and one of the things he asked uh, me was about Drew Holiday, and I, of course, want to let him walk, not because he's not a terrific player. I just don't think the Pelicans can afford to to tie 30% of their cap to him, especially when we have a, a big decision on DeMarcus Cousins upcoming in the next few months, uh, specifically if he should make the All-NBA team. I think he's eligible for that three-year extension that Russell Westbrook gained last season, and that would just completely cap us out to the point where we have no flexibility to do anything as uh, our owner, Tom Benson has never paid into the luxury tax. So that's not something I think we, we could even explore. So with about 15 million, we have a trade exception. Uh, Before I even ask you, I'll say uh, what, what I was hoping for was like a Shelvin Mack type player. He would probably come over to us uh, a little bit cheaper if he was offered the starting role and a chance to prove himself something like a, two-year, $8 million deal with the second year being a team option. So one year for $4 million, and then if he plays really well, he can earn himself a bigger payday. And then, mm-hmm. uh, before I turn it over to you, another guy who might be affordable, who's in the same scenario, needs to pay, uh, play his way into some money, is Jody Meeks. And I know uh, that one of your writers expressed some interest in Jody Meeks, but before I do that, with our trade exception, we have to bring in a new starting shooting guard since we've just lost Drew Holiday. What do you think we need to give you guys to absorb um, Will Barton into our trade exception? Honestly, probably just some cash. Um, and maybe uh, Alexa and Jinsa, I think, because we're so clogged at that shooting guard spot right now. I know Murdy's been playing a lot of point and we shifted him, but he's still technically, I think, listed as a shooting guard. And as much as I like Barton, he's just so streaky, and he's one of those players where it's like if you get a good enough offer for him, well, benefit you in the long run. I think you—he's that player you have to make that trade. 
And so I just, that's that's what I'd go with is some cash, maybe a draft pick, and Alexis Ginsa. You have no idea how happy that is going to make Pelicans fans, not just because I, I, his contract's not terrible. It's four years, $20 million. It's no. just that there's such like a, a gluttony of centers in the NBA. And, and the big plotting guys who can't like run out to the wing, there's just not a whole lot of space for them anymore. Everybody's tending to go towards small. So we're stuck with DeMarcus Cousins and behind him, Omera Sheik, who's making like a $12 million a year to just get DNPs. And then we've got Alexis right. Agenza, who's who's reputable, but Pelicans fans were just afraid we were going to have to give up something substantial to give him away. But with that being said, he's played so well against the yeah. Denver Nuggets in the past month. It's almost like he's been auditioning for you guys. So it really makes my heart sing to to hear that. So we've got... We've we've got five million more now to work with, and we've gotten Will Barton back from you guys. I think he's got like one year and three point five million left, so he's expiring. Now we're battling over Jody Meeks. What are you offering Jody Meeks, and are you even interested? Because you're not the one who wrote this um, for your site. His name is this is a fantastic name, by the way. He should either be an actor or a <laughs> professional wrestler. Constantinos Christophus, is that right? Yeah, he's from Greece, so. <laughs> Yeah, I think you got it right. But That's a fantastic name. He also mentioned interest in Jody Meeks. Is that someone that you're interested in, or now with all this wing depth, are are, are you uh, turning the page on that scenario? Um, me, personally, I'd probably turn the page on that scenario unless we can get him for very cheap. Like, if we can get him on, like, a cheap one- or two-year deal that won't just break our cap space, then sure, I'm all for it. But if he's going to demand, like, a max contract at four years, then I say, no, we pass up on that. Okay. You might have already um, reached this. Uh, something else that he was mentioning in his article, and he mentioned it four times, and I think something like a 300-word article, so it must be something that you guys have been exploring. With your 27th-ranked defense, you obviously upgraded at this point by adding Drew Holiday, but you still need some kind of like a rim protector down low uh, hmm. Mason Plumley is probably not that guy. Although if you do sign no. him, he is a guy who can like space the floor, run up and down. Um, you probably need to explore like somebody like Dwayne Dedman, Zaza Pachulia. Who's, who's somebody that you've got your eye on? Who's a rim protector who can come off the bench and, and bring in some defense. Well, you just mentioned him, Dwayne Dedman. He's played under one of the greatest coaches of all time already. So he knows what the ins and outs of being able playing winning basketball, not to mention he's still very young. So he's got a ton of a t- potential. And plus, like you said, we need a rim protector. He's shown good rim protecting skills basically this year. And I'd say well, if he's available for us, why not take a chance on him? Because it's not like we have, you know, the opportunity, you know, this is provided if we miss out on a guy like Paul Millsap, where I'm just assuming you know, it's not like we're going to have an opportunity to go after a rim protector like a DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis. So if he's the best out there, then yeah, we need to pull the trigger on him, I believe. My only fear is you've you've signed Drew Holiday to a, you know, somewhere around $30 million a year at this point. And Dwayne Dedman's going to get a lot of exposure, you'd have to think, playing for the Spurs, the second-seeded Spurs. Uh, you Do you pick them to get to the semifinals or the Western Conference Finals? Basically, do you, do you think they'll get past Houston? Oh, that's a good question. Because if they get past Houston, you'd have to think that Deadman plays a large role in that. 
and that somebody's gonna gonna pay him to be their rim protector of the future. Somebody like well, I guess Portland added Yusuf Nurkic. Um, so I don't know where he would go, but you'd have to think somebody would be maybe someone like the Brooklyn Nets who have uh, all yeah. all the money to burn, nowhere to put it. Yeah, I I'd say. I'd say they get past Houston and get to the Western Conference Finals just because they have a lot more depth in terms of star power than Houston does. Houston basically has James Harden along with a collection of really good supplementary players to go along with them that can stretch the floor, whereas San Antonio has Kawhi Leonard and LaMarcus Aldridge, and then even though he's not quite what he once was, they still have Pau Gasol, who's got that experience. And then they got, you know, one of the greatest coaches of all time and Greg Popovich running the show. Not to mention you still have Manu Ginobili and Tony Parker who have been there and done that, who can provide the leadership experience. Okay, Matthew. Now, before I let you go, I have to get to my uh, opening movie. I have to see what happens with this uh, glacier submarine encounter. Uh, (laughs) I need you to help out the Pelicans. You've just picked our pocket. You've taken Drew Holiday from us, although you have gift-wrapped us, Will Barton. I know you've been uh, probably scouring the free agent market at this point for some some like bargain deals because uh, should you guys wrap up someone like Paul Millsap or Drew Holiday, you won't have a lot of flexibility either. Who are some guys that you have your eye on with some potential who teams could get a deal on this offseason? Uh, James Johnson is a sleeper, in my opinion, especially for us, but other teams are definitely going to want to take a look at him just because of the grit and determination he brings on the defensive end. But at the same time, I just, I'm not sure what the what year he's had for Miami. I am, won't, I will also not be surprised if Miami makes sure he gets locked up long-term. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, spe- specifically, uh, when we played them, we were in the middle of a hot streak at the time. We ended up winning 8 of 11, and the Heat were our first loss in that one after we had won four straight. I think we lost 120 to 112, and he really did a number defensively on DeMarcus Cousins. They yeah. replayed it on Twitter and NBA.com and ESPN of him just uh, stonewalling DeMarcus Cousins and I heard reports that he lost 30 pounds and that he was some kind of former UFC fighter. Uh, So he definitely brings a lot of tenacity to the table and somebody who could definitely help out a team like Denver, who struggles defensively to have like that kind of that menacing attitude, something that the Pelicans could also need uh, if we can afford him. Another guy that I was looking at was uh, Todd Gibson. I don't know how much he's going to be able to generate at this stage of his career. I think he's around 33 years of age. I was thinking somewhere yeah. along the lines of uh, three years, 27 million, maybe with the third year being a player option. Um, but honestly, I'm I'm no kind of a cap analyst. I, I have no idea what kind of money these guys are going to fetch in the free agent market. Matthew, as always, man, just a fantastic interview. Such a bright guy. Uh, so many great and thoughtful opinions on all this stuff. We love having you on the podcast. Anytime you get upset at me, let's do this again, man. <laughs> oh, no problem. Thanks for having me. I love coming on. So. And we love having him. Thank you again so much, Matthew Huff. Again, you guys follow him at Huff underscore Mellow 7. You can follow his site and his work at Nug underscore Love on Twitter or NugLove.com. That's with two Gs. I've been Preston Ellis. You can follow me at Preston Ellis. Like I said, you guys, you've already done so much just by making it this far. Subscribe, retweet, talk about the Pelican Debrief podcast, and we've got more stuff coming your way this week. Again, Mason Ginsburg, Keith Smith, Ian Levy, Jeff Duncan, all in the next few weeks as far as 
as well as a Drew Holiday special that we're going to have in a couple of weeks where we're talking to some guys from the Bulls, the Lakers, the Nuggets. We're going to be talking to all the teams who might potentially be interested in Drew Holiday and talk about what he's worth to them so that we can figure out what he should be worth to us. Thank you, guys. My name is Preston Ellis. Let's go, pals.